Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Doc Bryant Show. I am your host, Doc Bryant, and today we are going to talk about uh, how I was wrong. And uh, I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong. I don't understand why people find it difficult to do. If you're wrong, you're wrong. It's that simple. Uh, own up to it. Deal with it. Uh, in this particular case, it's not that big of a deal. But uh, basically, I had said in the past, because of the woke revisionism that is a cancer in today's pop culture, specifically TV and movies, I said that it would be best, um, and what I have done, <clears throat> instead of watching movies and TV, I've, I've gone back to reading books. And, uh, you know, uh, Amazon uh, has done their best to try to rewrite uh, wokeness, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> rewrite wokeness into the Lord of the Rings with uh, their positively stupid show. Um, I don't even remember what it is, what it's called, uh, Rings of Power. Yes. Um, and you've got uh, Star Wars, which has been completely destroyed by Kathleen Kennedy <clears throat> and her misandrous uh, intersectional feminist identity politics, Bravo Sierra. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Bravo Sierra is the military... Uh, alphabet form of BS. <clears throat> Excuse me again. Um, they, uh, Disney also uh, ha is doing this to Marvel by destroying Marvel with their diversity, equity, and inclusion garbage, uh, which does not, is not uh, uh, representative of anything uh, remotely realistic. It does not represent reality uh, in the least. So, I suggested that if I want Lord of the Rings, I can go back and into my really messy bookshelves and read Tolkien's Lord of the Rings as it was written. Uh, and I do that frequently. I reread Lord of the Rings. I used to reread it every year. Uh, I don't get to do that as often now, uh, as often as I'd like. Uh, same thing with, uh, you know, if I want real entertainment, uh, I go back to um, the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I have a very large list of authors that I enjoy reading and uh, I read them to my kids as well so that I can uh, protect them from this uh, 
diabolical onslaught of sexual representation and uh, whose aim is only one thing, and that is to, at the very least, destroy the innocence of childhood and, at the very worst, create more people like those who are writing this garbage and potential victims for pedophilia. Uh, and that's something I got into actually in the last uh, episode, so I'm not going to hammer on that quite yet right now. But I was wrong, because I, I said, you know, folks, if you want real entertainment, if you want, want real heroes, if you want, you know that kind of thing than read books because they can't mess with our books. And in the back of my head, in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, but they kind of can, can't they? But they're not going to do that. At least not yet. They won't go that far. But in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, they might go that far. Well, it's started, folks. It's started. They have, the publishers of uh, Ronald Dahl's books and Ian Fleming's books, have decided that the language in those books are problematic and should be reimagined for a modern audience. We're going to get into this a little bit. I found a very, very good article uh, from The Independent in Britain. And doggone it, this is one of the best articles I have read. It's I just love British English. It is, when done correctly, absolutely beautiful. And this particular article is no exception. This writer is fantastic. Lewis Chitton, C-H-I-T-O-N, is his name. Again, this is uh, uh, in the uh, Independent uh, online. But let's get into it, and we'll 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 show you right here. So here we have the article. Uh, if you want to check it out yourself, it's independent.co.uk. That's their uh, website. And the title is Censoring Ronald Dahl and Ian Fleming Has Nothing to Do with Sensitivity. And this is written by Lewis Chilton. I'm sorry, Lewis Chilton. L-O-U-I-S-C-H-I-N. L-T-O-N, and it was published today, February 28th, just eight hours ago. Let's take a look at this article. Fleming and Dahl's books are at the center, and this is one of the things I just love about British English, center, C-E-N-T-R-E, of a furor, F-U-R-O-R-E, God, I love British English, over censorship and outdated language. 
quote, cancel-proofing, end quote, makes sense from a cynical business perspective, but it lets everybody off the hook far too easily notice the proper use of an adverb. Love that. Okay, here we go. The name's Bond, James Bond. At least that's what it is in the most recent edition of Casino Royale. In five years' time, who's to say? Over the weekend, it was announced that Ian Fleming's hit spy novels were being republished with a plethora of changes to the language, following a review by sensitivity readers. Many of the changes concerned racist language, with numerous racial slurs cut entirely. Other material, including derogatory remarks about Asians and an appalling reference to, quote, the sweet tang of rape, end quote, were not censored. The news came just days after The Telegraph reported that Ronald Dahl's children books were being reprinted with a raft of sensitivity-related amendments. In both instances, uproar predictably ensued. I want to go back a little bit and take a look at what this really means here. And, and again, I love the way this is written. This was brilliantly written, um, both language-wise and just uh, the thoughtful content involved. Notice... Many of the changes concerned racist language. Okay, to this day, and I have debated literally thousands of people online over the past several decades and in person over the past several decades. I have yet in, gosh... Three decades, more than three decades, I have yet to find a single leftist who can define the term racist. And I've talked about this before, and I will reiterate here the reason for this. The reason that they will not, it's not they cannot, but they will not define racism and many other terms, but we're going to hang with racism here, is that they need racism to mean whatever they want it to mean at any given time. Because what they really require from the word is not meaning. What they require from the word is the emotional re response, the emotional response to the negative connotation. Okay? Racist has a negative connotation, and understandably so. But what is a racist? What constitutes racism? They will not give a definition. And the, another reason why they won't give a definition is because when they do, at that point, they are nailed down to that definition so that after they admit to a particular definition, 
you can then go on to say, okay, well, in that case, given that definition, how is this racist? See, they box themselves in with a definition. They don't want to do that. And once again, I will explain that this goes back to a, a linguistic philosophy called deconstruction. And the concept of deconstruction is basically that there are certain concepts that language is ill-equipped to express. And so language being so ill-equipped to express certain concepts that are so... Uh, convoluted and difficult to understand um, that that language, that words cannot be really nailed down to any one definition because words are, are incapable of, of grasping uh, uh, the, the concept, certain concepts. In other words, words don't mean things. Or more to the point, words mean whatever you want them to mean at any given time. This is overlaying the concept of uh, relative morality, subjective morality, onto language, such that the words that I use mean whatever I want them to mean at any given time. And what I say at one point, when I use a word in one particular way, at one point in time, can mean something totally different than when I say it at another time. And, and a, the best example of this, uh, and, and I would say in modern times, but it's not modern times anymore, is when uh, President Bill Clinton was being deposed for a federal, uh, in front of a federal judge uh, over uh, remotely. And he used the infamous saying that all depends on what is, what the meaning of is, is. So moral relativism overlaid or applied to linguistics is what deconstruction is. And so when they say this is racist or this person is a racist or this language is racist, they will never give a definition of what that is. They need the convenience of the negative connotation and racist can mean one thing at one time and another thing at another time. And that's why they use, they, they require a certain plasticity of the language. So that's what you've got there. My next point here, too, would be who decides what is racist? Who's making, making the decision? as far as what language is racist and what language is not racist. Okay. Many of these changes concern 
racist language with numerous racial slurs cut entirely. Other material, including derogatory remarks about Asians and an appalling reference to the sweet tang of rape, were not censored. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So what we're doing here, what they're really doing here, this is the crux of the matter. I'm getting to it early. What they are really doing here, they're not censoring offensive language, problematic language. Even if we accept their definition of problematic or racist, which they actually don't have one, what they're really doing here is they are just superimposing their morality. They are rewriting these stories to suit their morality. You see, they have a problem with only certain races being slurred, but they are perfectly fine with other races being slurred. Asians and whites, for instance, it's okay to slur them. I'm sure it's certainly okay. It's definitely okay. As a matter of fact, it's almost required that you uh, make derogatory statements about Christians and Jews, but not about Muslims or Hindus or uh, certainly not about Confucianists. Uh, oh, no, wait, Confucianists are Asian. So, yeah, it's okay to, to derogatory. And it's okay to express sexual deviancy. So sexual deviancy is okay. It's just other things that, that are problems. So Christianity, if Christianity is referenced, they'll remove it. But if sexual deviance is mentioned, they'll keep it in. So again, this isn't about making things more palatable for people. It's only about superimposing their viewpoints on somebody else's work. We'll get more into that in just a second. While the culture war, I'm sorry, while culture war issues such as this are typically split along rigid left and right wing party lines, opprobrium stampeded the publishers from both aisles, as well as a fair number of people applauding the move. There is more to this issue than simply free speech. The matter of whether children or adults should be exposed to offensive language. And again, I have to ask the question, who decides what is offensive? And more to the point, who do you think you are to decide what kind of language I can read? What puts you in a position above me such that you can judge what it is appropriate for me, an adult, to read? That's another great thing about being a liberal is that you can set yourself on high above everybody else. I once heard an old saw, so to speak, about surgeons. And it might have been uh, my grandfather, who was a surgeon uh, of sorts. Um, he 
Yeah, it was my grandfather. He told my dad, and my dad told me that the only way surgeons can, uh, with any kind of conscience, cut into another human being, there are only two ways. The first way is to reduce the patient to something non-human, to an object. And the other way is to elevate one's self to godhood. But those are the only two ways that it is, uh, that makes it uh, easy for a surgeon to cut into another human being uh, and do surgery. So with liberalism, they do both. You see, uh, liberals, progressives, socialists, communists, again, whatever euphemism they are referring to themselves by uh, this week, they do both. As collectivists, as collectivists, they put people together and they're no longer people. They're, they're uh, cattle. They are part of different groups, but they are not themselves individual people with their own life sanctity. And they are not certainly capable of independent rational thought because there's no such thing as independent rational thought because you're part of a collective. Therefore, you must be part of the hive mind. And liberals at the same time elevate themselves to the point of godhood such that when they reach a certain political level, they can make decisions for the herd. So they elevate themselves to godhood. And, and each individual within the group elevates himself to his own godhood. I am my own God such that I can define my own reality. I, I can define my gender. I can, I can define what I am. I am really, uh, even though I am biologically male, I'm really a female and, and so forth. So that's another part of liberalism in, in rejecting the existence of a one true creator God, they make themselves gods. And whoever happens to be at the top of the uh, food chain gets to decide what is right for everybody else. The only thing about that is being human, well, their beliefs tend to change as far as what's okay and what's not over time. So, covered that little bit here. Um, artists have a right to the creative integrity of their work. That is true, even when the work is disagreeable. Dahl and Fleming, both long dead, are unable to consent to the changes. There is an art, and that's why they're going after these books, by the way. They're going after these books because nobody, there's nobody there to protect them. There's nobody there to defend them. I submit that uh, the Lord of the Rings books will be very soon to follow for these folks. Because even though there is somebody there that should be defending them, he's too busy raking in the money 
And so he's perfectly willing to allow his grandfather's works to be destroyed. He has no problem with that whatsoever. Dahl and Fleming, both long dead, are unable to consent to the changes. There is an argument to be made that softening the unpleasant edges of these books is an act of erasure, great band in the 80s, by the way, or even historical denialism. Consider in contrast the disclaimer that Warner Brothers has long shown before outdated episodes of Looney Tunes, which ends, while these cartoons do not represent today's society, they are being presented as they were originally created, because to do otherwise would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. I agree to a certain point that that is correct, what, what Looney Tunes is doing. But I also disagree, and let me explain why. If you, as an individual, do not want to or are offended by certain languages, certain, or certain, the use of certain language, if you are offended by the artistic expression of certain uh, situ uh, situations or scenarios, then don't watch those things that contain such language and such scenarios. It's that simple. There are shows many, many, many shows and movies right now that I find disagreeable. And guess what? I don't watch them. I don't watch them. I don't let my kids watch them. You know how I can do that? Because I am an individual human being who is perfectly capable of deciding what is and what is not acceptable for me and for my family. It's just that simple. If you're offended by certain things, if you are offended by the works of Robert Dahl and Ian Fleming, don't read them. I cannot stand the sequel trilogy of Kathleen Kennedy. I, I believe that that uh, was the beginning of the end for Star Wars. Actually, just the hiring of Kathleen Kennedy was the beginning of, beginning of the end. But guess what? I don't watch those movies. I think the woke road down which Kevin Feige has taken Marvel movies is complete garbage. And guess what? I don't watch them. The current modern modernization, if, if you want to use that terminology, the current wokeification of Marvel and DC Comics, I find extraordinarily objectionable. Guess what? I don't read them. It's that simple. But again, we get back to 
how the left is not satisfied with just not watching or not reading. They must enforce the same belief system on other people. It's not enough that I don't watch or read that material. As a leftist, as a Luciferian, I must enforce my belief system on you. You must think like me. They are censoring or attempting to censor your thoughts. This is the very definition of totalitarianism. So you've got authoritarianism. And authoritarianism is when you do what I say or else. Totalitarianism is you think what I tell you to think or else. It's not enough that you do what I tell you to do. You must believe what I tell you to believe. That is totalitarianism. They become your God. Muddying the issue further is the rather inexplicable metric used to determine what is and what isn't suitable for republication. We were just talking about that. Even those in favor of censoring books for reasons of sensitivity, which is so ridiculous, will likely be left frowning at the limp, artless prose amendments, and, in Fleming's case, the baffling inconsistencies when it comes to what offensive material will actually be permitted. Some parts are taken out, other instances left in, some of the racism and misogyny is so inextricably woven into the storylines that censoring is impossible. A cynical mind might also question the timing of the Bond news just days after the doll revelations provoked fan or frantic online consternation, you could hardly contrive a more high-profile marketing campaign than this, the announcement of a new, unamended Ronald Dahl classic collection is about as lucrative an act of appeasement as they come. So what they did was, they said, we, in our infinite wisdom, we unelected, unchosen, we have decided that we are going to rewrite somebody else's artwork. Somebody who is dead and has no say in the matter whatsoever. We are going to rewrite it. And you are going to have to deal with it. And then shortly after that, when the uh, outrage, the expected outrage, follows, 
as a complete marketing ploy, they can come out and say, oh, but we will also re-release a classic collection. Talk about cynical. None of these new ones are going to get sold, I can, I can promise you, unless they do, in some way, unless they disguise it. Or another thing that they might do is, you know, for a limited time, we'll release this classic collection, but eventually they're going to stop producing the classic collection and continue to produce the uh, censored versions uh, so that, you know, there will be a big jump in people buying the classic collections because they're going to be thinking, oh, we're not going to be able to get them pretty soon. Because the, the, the woke secret police are going to, I can, I can promise you right now, if you go on to eBay, I haven't even looked yet, but if you go on to eBay, I'll bet that the demand and therefore the prices for Ronald Dahl's and Ian Fleming's books has gone through the roof. You go into half-price books, guarantee you won't be able to find any of them there. Because people are going to be clamoring to buy them up. So that they won't get over-censored. Because pretty soon, this is the plan. The plan is that the only thing that's going to be available are the censored versions. You will believe in our reality. More than this, however, the decision to rewrite passages from Fleming and Dahl's work attests to a complete unwillingness to engage with problematic art on its own terms. Dahl's bigotry is not some disposable accoutrement to his writing. It is part of his holistic worldview, something that both informs and contradicts other parts of his work. His books are lauded for their dark and misanthropic stories. Why do we cherish them? What does that say about us? Defanging his writing of offensive material, and again, who decides what is offensive, promises to absolve the reader of these sorts of questions. In the modern era, a piece of art <laughs> must not simply be good. It must also be morally upright and unproblematic. Art doesn't work this way. It never has. I want to get into a couple of things. First, in the modern era. Let me tell you something, folks. Straight from Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. Something that liberals are famous for. And not even just liberals, but people in general are famous for, is imagining that their generation is superior to previous generations. Just because we have more modern contrivances, just because we have computers and TV and the internet, that must mean that we are superior to those who came before us in history. It has always cracked me up watching these so-called historians and scientists on, on the Discovery Channel and the History Channel, when they're looking at the various pyramids throughout the world or uh, Stonehenge and, and that kind of thing, and, 
and talking about uh, uh, you know it's it, how how it was possible for such uh, simple, uneducated, uh, stupid people who are not nearly as smart as we are uh, to make these amazing uh, uh, buildings and, and so forth. And I always think to myself, well, here's the thing. They actually built them. You're the one who hasn't figured out how it happened. Who's the dummy in this particular scenario? Just because you live in the quote-unquote modern era does not in any way, shape, or form make you superior intellectually or otherwise, certainly not morally, to the previous generation. As a matter of fact, what they are doing is they are, again, superimposing their own viewpoints onto a group of people who, in large part, are incapable of defending themselves from such a superimposition. So these people back that, you know, back in the 40s and 30s and 20s and so on and so forth and the 60s, are being judged by a constantly changing metric. The goalpost is constantly moving all over the... But they can't even... The wokesters of today are jumping on people who were considered to be woke just a year ago. So their so-called standards are constantly shifting. You can never be woke enough. Case in point, J.K. Rowling, who is a flaming leftist. But she reached a point called reality that she wasn't willing to pass. That being that there is such a thing as a biological male and a biological female. The very concept of this being controversial proves the superiority of past generations over this one. These people literally do not believe in male and female, in reality. And J.K. Rowling is still catching crap for this. The good news is, of course, she's also raking in the money because the vast majority of people are not this insane. So when they talk about modern era and modern audiences, they are only talking about themselves and their tiny, itty-bitty, little minority of people. Why do we cherish them? What does that say about us? Defanging his writing of offensive material promises to absolve the reader of these sorts of questions. And that's another point that censorship is all about. That's another good point that he makes here. When I debate people, I don't want to silence them. 
I do not want to silence people in an argument against me. I don't tell them to shut up. I don't call them names unless they really, really deserve it. Because of two things are going to happen in a debate for me. Either I'm going to win or I'm going to find out I was wrong and I'm going to learn from it. Either way, I win. So I don't want viewpoints opposed to mine to be silenced. I want them to be appropriately voiced. By appropriately voiced, I believe, I'm not even going to say I believe, it is a fact that certain issues are not suitable for the ears of certain audiences. Like children should not be watching drag queens or exposed to sexual content that they are developmentally incapable of understanding. But I don't seek to silence my opponents. Matter of fact, if they're wrong, I want them to talk as much as humanly possible. When I debate people online, one of the things I do is I actually start feeding out line. Because I know what they're going to do. I know what they're going to say. I know how they're going to react to what I say. So I lead them along and lead them along. And I give them just enough rope to hang themselves. And then I pounce. Boom. And then it's over. I have closed out debates on abortion and gun control. There's so such that there is no debate anymore. I can out-debate anybody on those two issues. So that now, you know, I don't even waste my time feeding them line. I just, I just drop the hammer immediately on them and close out the debate. Not that it shuts them up, but the very second that they... Uh, start using ad hominem attacks, which is inevitably what happens. Calling me whatever racist, bigot, homophobe, whatever ist or phobe happens to be en vogue at the moment. I I know it's over. They've lost. You're done. The second you start relying on logical fallacies like ad hominem, the the debate's over. So I don't want you to shut up. If you're opposed to my viewpoint, I want you to talk as much as possible for one of two reasons. Either I'm going to beat you in the debate or you're going to beat me and I'm going to learn I was wrong. Because I'm actually interested in the truth. I'm not interested in being right. I want to find out what is right. I want to find out what the truth is. And you can't do that when you censor people. Which brings me to another point. The reason that they are censoring people is because they know that they are wrong. They know that they will lose. They know that their emotional-based argumentation will not withstand scrutiny. It will not withstand intellectual criticism. That's why 
they seek to censor people because they know they're wrong. Now, they don't believe they're wrong. Knowing and believing are two different things in some cases. They believe that they're right, but they just can't prove it right now. They believe that communism will work, even though it has historically never, ever, ever worked. They believe it will work. That's why their argument is usually, well, real communism has never been, has never been tried. Because they believe in it. But they know they're wrong. And my dad frequently says, what you believe is irrelevant. What you believe is irrelevant. What's true is what matters. Back to the story. Of course, refusing to censor decades-old books does not mean that we must blithely embrace old prejudices. And that's another point. Just because it's in the books doesn't mean you agree with it. Just because somebody uses the N-word in a book doesn't mean that you would use it. Stop being stupid. And, and, and part of the thing that I wonder is, are these people so soft-minded, these people who are censoring this stuff, are they so soft-minded that they think that reading that kind of stuff will just automatically turn somebody evil? There are myriad ways in which stories can be altered or updated to cater to modern audience, so-called modern. I hate when they say that. Modern audiences. Weak-minded audiences. Without compromising their substance, it can be something as simple as a parent omitting a slur when reading their child the twits aloud. Content warnings are a prudent and non-invasive way of mitigating offense. And the, uh, I don't care if you're offended by something. I do not care if you're offended by something, because as I have said previously, if something offends you, don't watch it, don't listen to it, don't read it. But don't censor it. You do not get to tell other people what they can think, what they can read, what they can hear. You do not get to do that. You are not God. Fleming's James Bond, for example, a repellent bigot in the written word, has been increasingly satis uh, sanitized on screen. That's the truth inching away from the racism and misogyny that once defined the character. The very real prospect of a black actor taking over the 007 mantle from Daniel Craig would represent a nail in the coffin of Fleming's regressive politics. That is true. He will no longer be James Bond. Not all modern adaptations are so conscious of changing times, however. The recent Matilda musical film embraced Dahl's noxious classism with delight, with Stephen Graham and Andrea Risenborough's Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood depicted as anti-intellectual working-class grotesques. In an otherwise positive review of the film for The, uh, for the Independent, Clarice Lowry notes 
that Matilda the Musical does not interrogate Dahl's novel, despite the fact that there are grounds for questions. Robert Zemeckis's 20, er, 2020 version of The Witches, meanwhile, barely updated the anti-Semitic coding of the original book. For many people, it is a scary idea that art can still have something to teach us, even if it is quote-unquote problematic. That art, like life, is messy and contradictory and imperfect. It is obvious why a publisher would be inclined to censor these novels. There's profit in palatability. Cancel-proofing outdated novels is a way for literary estates to continue lining their pockets in perpetuity, but there's no honesty to it. In paving over the problematic parts of Dahl's work or Fleming's, publishers are stifling the very questions that are most important to ask. What are these novels actually saying about the world, and should we keep returning to them? Perhaps they are terrified of the answers. That is exactly what I just said. They are scared of the truth. They are frightened of the truth. They are afraid that they might be wrong. Now, I can tell you that, again, probably the next target is going to be Lord of the Rings. Um, and there are people out there going, oh, no, eventually, you know, their primary target, it's going to be the Bible. Folks, I hate to tell you this, but they've been doing that for a while. The left has been trying to rewrite the Bible for a long time and and have had very little success, uh, I am happy to say. But the good news is that there are still faithful versions out there, and I can guarantee that one of the things that is going to happen, assuming this censorship is going to reach a systematic level such that the original works will no longer be published, which is their goal, by the way. That is the goal of the left. Should that even happen, I guarantee you that there will be people out there who will be more than happy to scan into PDF format the original works and make them readily available on the Internet. And, you know, they, they can, there could be folks, you know, oh, well, they're going to sue for copyright and so on and so blah, 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 and, and what. No. Hey, if it's available on the Internet, you can get it. And if, if you don't know who put it out there, can't be sued. And you've got places like the, the, the dark web where such things will be available. And uh, just assuming that that kind of systemic censorship and control were to happen, which I don't think it will, uh, 
But even if it were, the the increase in globalization uh, or the, the, the most recent push of the globalists, the leftists, the Marxists, the Satanists, uh, has resulted in the beginnings of a parallel economy that can very easily become an underground economy that cannot easily be touched by these totalitarians. But the good news, again, is that these totalitarians are going down. They're going to lose. They're, they're failing at every level, and that is why they are panicking so much right now. But that's my take on this particular issue. I wouldn't worry too much about it. But if you do have original copies, keep them. And if you don't have original copies of these classic works, go get them. Just not from the current publishers. Get the used ones. Go to Half Price Books. Go to eBay. Go to Amazon and they've got used books. Get them there. Don't pay these leftist lunatics a dime. When those new classic edition comes out, the uncensored edition, don't buy that crap. Don't give them money for being a bunch of censorious leftist Marxist totalitarians. Don't do it. All right, thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, that would help me out greatly. Um, you can catch me on my podcast, The Doc Bryant Show. Uh, you can get that on Spotify, Amazon, Audible, pretty much anywhere there are podcasts, except Apple. And you can also, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to see me, then I do have a TikTok channel. Um... But TikTok is heavily censored, so I just do real little snippets about what I'm talking about here. Uh, but you can catch my video stuff on um, BitChute, Rumble, and Odyssey, although recently apparently Rumble is becoming uh, kind of problematic for technical issues, not otherwise. Um, and uh, if you want to hit me up on social media, it's at Doc Bryant on Truth Social, Minds, Getter, and Gab. And at Doc Bryant Actual on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And I will talk to you all later.